0: Welcome to the Work and Wonder Podcast. In this podcast, I share spiritual insights gained from my studies. I'm a faithful member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and use the Book of Mormon as my primary study material. I'll also reference the Bible and other scriptures, talks, or resources that I find helpful. My goal is to share simple, short, and sweet messages that build faith and inspire changes in our lives that bring us closer to Jesus Christ. To another episode of the work and wonder podcast this week we're going to be talking about faith we've discussed faith before kind of what it is but this week week i want to discuss a question about faith why do we have to have faith um, you know the question i would ask or series of questions are like these what is the point of god making us rely on faith why can't we just see things and know things why can't god just prove it to us Would it be so bad to follow God and believe in him after seeing him and his power? Would it be so awful if Christ just physically manifested himself to all of us individually or collectively so we could all know truth together? What's the point of withholding that proof from us? Is it that God couldn't prove to everyone that he's real? No, that's certainly not the case, right? Or is it? I don't know. So these are the sort of questions that are going to initiate our dialogue or this uh, discussion. (laughs) Kind of one-sided, just me talking, but... I uh, hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll get uh, see if you guys have any feedback after this. But here's some thoughts uh, of where my study took me. And again, I'm just going to be doing this kind of like last uh, episode, where it's a, a pretty casual and hopefully more flowy style of a podcast. So I want to start out with an example, a story from the Book of Mormon. If you guys are familiar with this story, it's the one where Nephi and Lehi, who were prophets, these are the Nephi and Lehi later in the Book of Mormon, not the ones from the beginning. Uh, They were prophets, and a lot of the people around them were wicked, and they were preaching, they were trying to teach about Jesus Christ, etc., and they got cast into prison. So the story says that they were in there for many days without food, and uh, the, the guards or the wicked people came into the prison after that, and they had the intention of slaying Nephi and Lehi. Well, what happened is that Nephi and Lehi were encircled about with fire, it said. And after that, there's this huge cloud of darkness that enshadows everyone in the prison there. And they're so afraid, all these wicked people, that they are just frozen, immobilized by fear. And uh, they hear this voice that says, repent ye, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and seek no more to destroy my servants and it came to pass that the earth shook again and the walls trembled. So this is what's going on, and one of the people in the prison, turns out he is a former member of the church. He's a less active guy, or someone who left the church and dissented and was among the wicked people. Well, his name was Amminadab, and he told all the people around him, uh, he kind of had some insight, right? And he said, uh, these people are conversing with angels. And his buddies are like, oh, uh, what what do we do that this cloud of darkness may be removed from overshadowing us? And the scriptures say, And Aminadab said unto them, You must repent and cry unto the voice, even until ye shall have faith in Christ, who is taught unto you by Alma and Amulek and Zeezrom. And when ye shall do this, the cloud of darkness shall be removed from overshadowing you. So all these people start praying and praying, and slowly the darkness dissipates until it's gone, and they can see Nephi and Lehi, um, well, actually, let's see, it says after the darkness is dispersed in verse uh, 43 of chapter 5 of Helaman, it says, behold, they saw that they were encircled about, yea, every soul by a pillar of fire. So everyone's surrounded by fire at this point. And it says Nephi and Lehi were in the midst of them. Yea, they were encircled about, yea, they were in the midst of a flaming fire, yet it did harm them not. So this is an amazing miracle. You can already tell by the description of this. And it says the Holy Spirit of God did come down from heaven and did enter into their hearts and they were filled as, as if with fire and they could speak forth marvelous words. Okay, this is an amazing heavenly experience that these people are having. And note that these are wicked people who were intending to slay prophets of God, yet this is happening to them. And after this all happens, it says a voice came to them that says, peace, peace be unto you because of your faith in my well-beloved who was from the foundation of the world. And after they hear this, uh, the heavens open, angels come down, minister to them, and it says there were about 300 souls who saw and heard these things, and they were bidden to go forth and marvel not, and neither should they doubt. And it says that they did do that. They went forth and declared what they had seen and heard and experienced, and it says the more part of the Lamanites were convinced of them because of the greatness of the evidences which they had received. And as many as were convinced did lay down their weapons of war and also their hatred and the tradition of their fathers. So that's amazing, right? <laughs> my question after reading this is like, well, man, if that can happen, why doesn't that just happen to everyone? Why why can't this happen to every wicked person who's, you know, not even at the point of wanting to kill servants of God, but even before that? Because if it can happen to these people, it could happen to everyone, right? And this that's kind of my question because it seems like based on a a motivation for utility and um, salvation for as many souls as possible, God would want to have this kind of experience for everyone, right? So what's the hangup? Why can't this happen? Um, and that's that's really the question. So I, I do want to step back and examine the story a little more because I think the first time I went through it, I oversimplified it. I said, there were some wicked people and heavenly things happen to them and it convinces them. And then they're righteous after that and they have a conversion. Well, that skips over some important parts, and I want to hit on these. So Aminadab, that guy, he kind of acted as a missionary or an instrument in God's hand, and he had to explain to these wicked people how to disperse the darkness from their lives. And these people then had to have faith on his words and believe in him, and then they had to exercise faith by works. They had to start praying, kneel down, and just pour out words over words and until the darkness is dispersed. So they had faith and they exhibited faith by works. And then the miracle was able to start to happen. And that was just the darkness being removed. And after that, even more glorious things happened. And what other factors contributed to the um, just amazingness of this experience? I don't know. Maybe it was Nephi and Lehi. What what was going on with them? They were praying, talking with angels the whole time too. So maybe that ushered in a lot of heavenly doors to open. I don't know. But I do think it's important to note that the people did have to have belief and faith before the miracle happened. So that is a precursor here because it's not like God just uh, sent down angels and heavenly manifestations willy-nilly without people even having faith or belief or works at all. Uh, They did have some already. Okay, so let's talk about some scriptures. In Ether 12, verse 12, Moroni says, for if there be no faith among the children of men, God can do no miracle among them. Okay, so apparently it's important to have faith first or else there can't be a miracle. And the case is made here that every single miracle is preceded by faith. And even the the story of the brother of Jared in the book of Ether, which I'll, I'll summarize here, um, the brother of Jared was a very ancient prophet who uh, interceded for his, on the behalf of his brother and his family and his friends to God to uh, have their language not confounded at the confounding of the Tower of Babel. So anyway, um, he had so much faith that he saw the hand of God and then he saw all of God. And Moroni says in verse 20, we have seen in this record that one of these was the brother of Jared, for so great was his faith in God that when God put forth his finger, he could not hide it from the sight of the brother of Jared. So faith is an instrument here. It is a tool that leads to miracles and manifestations, not the other way around. Belief does not um, succeed evidences necessarily, or faith doesn't succeed evidences. And I guess just stepping back, why why though is faith so important? Why can't God prove and then we just have belief and knowledge, right? I guess we wouldn't have faith. We'd be bypassing it. But what's the problem there? Um, So let's see. I'm going to read some more scriptures and I'm going to keep addressing this question because <laughs> I'm doing this in a scattered way, but I hope you guys don't mind. I'm going to read some more scriptures. Moroni 7, 19 through 21 says that, faith is at least a step in the process of laying hold upon every good thing. It says um, that it is the path to laying hold upon every good thing. So that's important. Faith is very important there. And also, um, Paul says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to hear the word of God and then you can have faith in it. Okay, this is kind of just more stuff on faith, not so much answering our question. Um, There are other scriptures that say that God is pleased by faith and that it's impossible to please him without faith. That is in Hebrews 11 verse 6. Okay, so I still haven't answered the main question though. Why faith? Why can't we just bypass it and have proof and then have belief and knowledge in God? Um, What's the problem there? So this is an interesting one because we have to consider what would happen. How How would God prove it to us first off? Is that possible for God to prove to everyone that he definitely exists? There are always going to be some skeptics out there. In fact, um, in 2012, Richard Dawkins, who's probably the most renowned atheist alive right now, or maybe ever, he was being interviewed, and he was questioned about his unbelief in God, and he was asked, What proof, by the way, would change your mind? After that, he said, that's a very difficult and interesting question, because I mean, I used to think that if somehow, you know, great big giant 900 foot high Jesus with a voice like Paul Robeson. Sorry, I don't know who that is, so I probably mispronounced his name. Suddenly strode in and said, I exist and here I am. But even that, I actually sometimes wonder if that would. So after that, the conversation's kind of interrupted. But uh, there's Richard Dawkins saying, you know, even if a 900 foot tall Jesus came in with a booming voice and said, uh, here I am. That may not be enough to prove, and and I kind of get what he's saying, because you know you, you can always be fooled, and there may be some technology you don't know about that's tricking you. Um, but the point is, how would God really prove to you? Uh, how can He give you that for sure knowledge? I think it has to be sought for and obtained through a process that interchanges between you know our intentions, sincerity, and belief, and His rewards to each of those of incremental uh evidences uh, spiritual evidences so uh yeah that's that's one problem is how would god prove that so there is the story this this is kind of making my point here that you can't really prove to people with signs when they're unbelieving and wicked the book of mormon's full of these kind of examples for example um, There is a portion in here in the end of Helaman, when all these signs and wonders that the prophets had predicted are starting to come true. And the wicked people are, they at first they're like, oh, wow, you know, their prophecies are actually coming true. But after a while, after seeing all these, the signs and wonders become a little dull to them and they just start ignoring them or trying to uh, find a loophole in the system that would allow them to keep living their sinful lives and disbelieve in the prophets. So uh, one part in the Book of Mormon, like I said, there are a lot of signs and wonders shown the people. In Helaman 16, it says that there were great signs given unto the people and wonders and the words of the prophets began to be fulfilled. And angels did appear unto men, wise men, and did declare unto them glad tidings of great joy. Thus, in this year, the scriptures began to be fulfilled. Nevertheless, the people began to harden their hearts, all save it were the most believing part of them both of the Nephites and also the Lamanites and began to depend on their own strength and upon their own wisdom saying some of these things they may have guessed right among so many but behold we know that all these great marvelous works cannot come to pass of which has been spoken so they're they're already disbelieving at this point when all these signs are starting to pour in and these are more signs than most people have had in the book of mormon or you know today Uh, yet they are ignoring them and they're still disbelieving And it says, They began to reason and to contend among themselves, saying, It is not reasonable that such a being as Christ shall come. And if so, and he be the Son of God, the Father of heaven and of earth, as it has been spoken, why will he not show himself unto us as well as unto them who shall be at Jerusalem? Well, it turns out that Christ would be showing himself to them first, so they didn't understand the scriptures. But second off, Even those who Christ did show himself to in his mortal life, showing great signs, walking on water and healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all sorts of miracles, the people rejected him and crucified him. So there is your, you know, sure evidence showing you that uh, the proof, the evidence is not going to work. It is not going to incite moral behavior or belief in all cases, especially among the wicked people. Um. And later in that section of Helaman, it says that the people keep imagining in their hearts, or they're trying to you know, reason how these prophets could have been wrong. And they pretty much just ignore the words and find loopholes, like I said, or other ways to rationalize the prophecies away. And it says, notwithstanding the signs and the wonders which were wrought among the people of the Lord, the many miracles which they did, Satan did get great hold upon the hearts of the people, upon all the face of the land. So, you know don't underestimate the uh, ability of people to rationalize the most basic and fundamental truths even when they're most obvious and manifest to them you can even give a this is kind of a political one but it really shouldn't be political uh example today how people are trying to obfuscate or totally refute plain truths such as the existence of male and female sexes in biology and differences that are not mere social constructions, such as differences in strength, stamina, speed, bone density, whatever. Um, you know, they're trying to refute the most basic truths and differences between the sexes. And this is just evidence of how stupid we can get in science. Uh, you know, you call it science, a pseudoscience, it's not backed up in anything. Yet in mainstream media, and um, at least a purported majority of some thought. I guess it's just media. I don't know how many people are actually believing this kind of stuff. But, you know, for, for those kind of basic and fundamental facts which are obvious to us, they're most manifest uh, in so much that even a child knows this and has known this from the beginning, people are starting to refute this. Okay, that is showing you uh, the ability of mankind to reject ultimate truth when it is right in front of their face with all evidence. So another example from the scriptures is in third Nephi chapter two, it says, The people began to forget those signs and wonders which they had heard, and began to be less and less astonished at a sign or a wonder from heaven, insomuch that they began to be hard in their hearts and blind in their minds, and began to disbelieve all of that which they had heard and seen, imagining up some vain thing in their hearts, that it was wrought by men and the power of the devil, to lead away and deceive the hearts of the people. And thus did Satan get possession of the hearts of the people again, insomuch that he did blind their eyes and lead them away to believe in the doctrine, or that the doctrine of Christ was a foolish and a vain thing. So with all these signs and wonders and purposes and reasons to believe, they don't. And that's, a, that's kind of a surprising picture when you consider all the evidence that's before them. Um, so it's clear that no signs and wonders can be sure to convince the wicked and unbelieving. So that's that's one reason why perhaps it is not God's will to make perfectly manifest to all of us the truth and to reveal himself. Even Judas Iscariot, one of Christ's closest followers, denied him and sold him. Even the angels in the preexistence, a third of the host of heaven, rebelled against God and were cast down. So, I mean, that's a drastic example. The angels who knew him and saw him there in his glory, I don't know to what degree, but they were there with him. They knew who he was and they followed Lucifer and in the rebellion and were cast out of, the, out of heaven. So, you know, when such knowledge like this is had, it seems that uh, wickedness is not, is not always avoided. In fact, maybe it's, uh, um, you know, knowing God and having his existence existence plain to us does not have any bearing on our m- morality in our life, um, unless we choose to believe that through faith, and that is morally uh, distinguished. Okay, so another example I'll give is in Alma 24, where this is when a lot of the Lamanites are converted and bury their weapons of war, right, and they they decided, hey, we're not going to kill anyone anymore. We're not going to do war. We're becoming pacifists because of our covenant with God. So that was a special covenant that they made to follow God. Anyway, so they apparently made people mad by making this covenant and choosing this way of life. And they were attacked by some other Lamanites who were also infiltrated with some dissenters of the Nephites. Uh, that were Amalekites and Amulonites, and this sect of Lamanites um, attacked the anti lehites these pacifists, and just started slaughtering them. And it says that among those who afterward were converted and joined the people, this pacifist group, the anti um they, you know, after the battle, they were kind of like, "Wow, these people believe in what they're talking about. Let's join them." You know, they they convinced me. Anyway, it says, among those who joined the people of the Lord, there were none who were Amalekites or Amulonites. It says, we can plainly discern that after a people have been once enlightened by the Spirit of God and have had great knowledge of things pertaining to righteousness and then have fallen away into sin and transgression, they become more hardened and thus their state becomes worse than though they had never known these things. So perhaps that's another reason why God would want to withhold certain amounts of truth because the people are just not at a place where they can live in accordance with that truth and they would be condemned or given a more strict judgment because of the truth which they knew but which they were not ready to accept through their actions. And uh, so perhaps that's another reason why God does not just throw, you know, this evidence and proof toward everyone. So what's the conclusion here? Why would God reveal himself to us? It would be to prove to all the unbelievers that he exists so they can follow him, right? Well, we have no reason to suppose that such proof would lead to moral behavior or to everyone even following God. In fact, we have evidence to show us contrary that even when people have such evidence, they can still rebel against God. Besides, would God want followers who are compelled to follow him or who choose to follow him out of a sincere trust and desire? The only way this latter result can happen is if an environment or in an environment where God can meekly withhold his manifest existence from the wicked and unbelieving. So also having this environment where, you know, good and evil can exist before us and we don't really have sure evidence one or the other. We have, I guess, um, enticing from each side. It gives us a perfect environment to exercise free will and free agency because we are enticed by the good and the evil, we have the choice before us. Whereas in a grounds where we really, you know, (laughs) the truth is manifest and the good path is there and evil is perfectly known. I don't know, maybe our agency would be kind of hindered there or restricted in our ability to exercise it. So the um, kind of development that we need in order to lead us back to God seems to happen right here in this kind of environment we're in in the world where we can exercise faith and belief and we couldn't demonstrate praiseworthy kind of belief in God if it were forced upon us so that's another benefit of having this environment where uh, you know God hasn't perfectly proved himself to everyone is that we can demonstrate trusting and faith and belief in him uh, without I guess losing that opportunity because you know if he's right there saying I believe in you and I'm going to follow you isn't as impressive as when he's not there and we're trusting in the spiritual evidences he's given us. So that's uh, my thoughts right now. This isn't an exhaustive list of solutions or answers to this question. This is just some thoughts from a study and uh, that are coming up right now to me in my head. So um, let me know what you guys think. If there are any other reasons why God would not just go ahead and prove to everyone his existence. And I'm sure there are many other answers and scriptures you could bring up and pull out to contribute to this conversation. But uh, that's the thought for this week. I hope you guys have a good one and I'll talk to you next time.